Hi, everybody. Welcome to my podcast, Bridging the Gap, Real Estate for Women. By this point, I'm like, wow, we're way behind. We should have been doing this for 20 years. We got a jump start. So we went bigger, pulled a team together, Quattro Capital, and now we're managing $150 million in assets. And I think that's like over 1,600 units and growing. As a woman in real estate, I know firsthand that women are underrepresented and still tentatively venturing into real estate investing. While that is slowly changing, my goal is to propel it forward. We can do this. I am Atara Tversky, an attorney and real estate sponsor and investor from New York City. It is my pleasure today to welcome Kim Wendland to my show. Kim began her career in IT, but she is an entrepreneur at heart. Moving into the world of real estate was a natural transition. I'm going to let her tell her story. Kim, I'm so happy to have you here. How are you today? Oh, fantastic, Atara. And I tell you what, the work that you're doing in this podcast to help women understand how powerful they are and the amazing opportunities before them, it's inspiring. And I'm uh, I'm just a fan. So high five. It's fun Thank to be you. here. <laughs> so nice of you to say that. I really appreciate that. But I really want to talk about you because I think you've done really um, amazing things. I know you've had a long career in IT. I want you to like start from the beginning um, mm. because you've always really been an entrepreneur, right? Yeah, I I had an entrepreneur spirit without understanding how to be an entrepreneur, if that makes sense. So my my IT journey um you know, when I was in college back in the you know old days, I was um, technology was just a brand new thing. Like we're talking eighties and nineties here, so like we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have all kinds of blah blah blah. I sound like somebody's grandmother, even though I don't have children. <laughs> no, so, but it, it's really not. The world has become a new world not that long ago, right? Right. So, it's within two generations, right? So. So it's been a fantastic and it was thrilling to be a part of it. But when I first began, I wanted to make a lot of money. That was the industry that was growing and where all the jobs were. So when I was in college, I'm like, gosh, I don't I don't really understand all this, but neither does anybody else. So I'm going to jump in. So I jumped in knowing I was going to find a way to make a career. And I started with a double major, both computer science and business. I was not ever going to be great programmer. I knew that in my soul, but I knew that this technology was going to change and solve problems. And I wanted to be part of the solving problems part. So that's why I jumped into technology over the next like 30 years, we did solve a lot of business problems. Didn't realize we were creating some new and fresh ones, but had a fantastic time um, truly reinventing the way everything happened. It could not have been a better time for that career. There were so many job opportunities, just like there are now, that without a lot of experience, you could do some really big things. And I hope all of the young people out there and those who are in transitional times, like, remember that where there's chaos, there's opportunity. Don't run from it, run into it. 
And I, I love what you said. I just want to um, go back to that for a moment. Like you're, we're an entrepreneur, you know, in spirit, you weren't hundred percent sure how to do it, but really what you said is I can do this. I will figure that out. And I think that is a hallmark of all entrepreneurs, right? Like we don't always know exactly how we're going to get from point A to point B, but we know we can get there. So I think that lies at the heart of all of it. Well, Tara, you're so right. I totally live by that, made a fantastic career of that, but also a great life of that. If you don't allow me a pause for a mindset moment. Please. Generically, I find women hold back because of the things that we're really good at, nurturing relationships, et cetera. And so we're all about others focused. And that is is our superpower and we should embrace that, right? But the Achilles heel of it is that we will remain too cautious and we will uh, shy away from things that, that we find fearful or uncomfortable. One of the most important things we can do is own our own power and accept it. Like A-C-C-E-P-T, accept it. Not accept, like not scratch it out, but like take it in. Because when we take in who we are and what we're all about, oh my gosh, that's when we figure out, my goodness, fear is just a call to courage. I love that. When you're afraid, it's like time to get curious, figure something out and know your next move and take it. Like, it's not about jumping into the flames without a, you know, asbestos suit. It's about risk management and moving forward through life so that you can realize more than somebody else's ancient idea of who you are. I I love the whole uh, mindset piece to it because I think, um, you know, men and women, um, children, I think everyone can benefit from reframing and really understanding the mindset that they need to be in. And I think um, I want to even take what you're saying, which is so smart, a step further, because I think neither you or I are suggesting that all women become entrepreneurs, right? It's not about that. Some people will say, no, you know what? I'm really happy. I went to school to become a doctor. I went to school to become an accountant. And I like that. But I also want to know what to do with my extra money to really free up some of my time. And I think that's what you and I are also here for. If you want to be an entrepreneur, that's one great mindset, but it isn't the only mindset. But the idea is we can get women to do things other than what they were simply trained for in school. Oh, for sure. You're so wise in that. And and the beauty of it is we don't know what we don't know. And so the brilliant thing that you're providing is you're helping People have like an open window into some new ideas, maybe. And in those new ideas, gaining confidence to explore them and take next steps. So, yeah, if I if I knew what I know now, when I was in my 30s and 40s, I would have been investing in real estate passively along the way. But I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So take us to the uh, time and place where you made the transition from IT and said, okay, I've done this. I like it. It afforded me some great opportunities, but now I want to go into real estate as more of an investor. So how did that happen? Yeah. You know, it was not a big bang moment um, as so many things in my life, right? I call it that positive discontentment where 
It was irrational that I was not content. Everything was wonderful. I had a big paying job. I had the titles. I had all the, all the surface things that say this is right. But in my spirit, I was not, I was not at rest. I was, I was disturbed a little bit. And um, what was happening when I look back, I always have more clarity after I've lived it and I can see backwards. What was so clear was that it was a time for another shift. I had, I had was burned out. I had abused my body, working too hard, pushing too hard, giving, 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 never, never, ever renewing. Um, so you do that for a long enough period and, and you come into a really sad place. In working through my physical health, my mental health, emotional health, and really awakening to the idea that I'm not a machine, oh my gosh, um, that's when it became clear to me that, wow, there's a whole lot of other people in my life that are super, super happy, even though circumstances are difficult, super happy and have made impact. And there were four women in particular that I, I look back and I can see that they were singing a real estate song and I was only hearing echoes of it. Well, there are four names, Dolly, Helen, Carol, and Retha. So Dolly, I met her when she was in her late 70s. I loved her, met her at church, loved her heart. She was all about just love. Like one of those people that you were drawn to because they were so positive. You're like, what is this anomaly, right? And so when she and I first met, um, she had retired as uh, from the post office, like a good job, but not like a job that people generate wealth from, right? And what she was doing was she took her savings, she bought little two, three bedroom houses in her town, uh, just outside of Austin, long before the real estate thing happened there. And she would live in it, make it really, really cute, and then sell it and rinse and repeat. Like, so she was doing flipping and hacking before they were. I was going to say she was a house hacker. <laughs> exactly. She had no idea. She was, you know, inventing the trend. My favorite house she ever did, literally, she put on the ridge, the top of the roof, that line that goes across is a ridge row. And on the ridge row, she literally had them carve out little hearts. And she had all these workmen up there putting little hearts all across the top of her house. I love like, that. Uh, and it was just the cutest little house. You just wanted to go in and just see it, right? So what I saw there was that Dolly created, she used her creativity to do something that other people were not doing. So I loved that. But she was also gaining an income from whether she rented it or sold it. And then, and then her mindset of the 1930s depression child, right? She was super thrifty and resourceful in everything she did. So when I when I looked at Dolly's life, even in the moment, I, I wasn't picking up that, wow, I too could do real estate. I thought it was like Dolly's thing. But what a lesson to be able to meet someone who like, before it was cool, was doing something that now like people have written books over, right? Right. And she was in her 70s, just to be clear, when she started this. When she started, she was in her 70s. She wow. stood with me in my wedding when she was 80. 
Like, wow, he's that kind of a connection in my life. Big, we could go, I could go on for days about Dolly. So we're going to pause and we'll go to Helen. So Helen, um, Helen is my husband's aunt and she lived with us in town, Austin, not live with us in the same house, but geographically we were close and she and her husband never had children and we happened to be the closest living relatives. So as they aged, we reached out and said, hey, we're here for you. Like, please don't push us away. We don't want anything. We just want to love on you, encourage you. And so we did ultimately help them through their final days. Um, He had long battle with Alzheimer's and then she had a cancer. But they were so much fun. The two of them loved to dance. And like Helen used to say, music is this whole other dimension because it moved her so but their careers they were both very simple people she was a bank teller not a bank president she was a bank teller great wow her husband was one of those old school grocers like his claim to fame was that when lbj was president lady bird would call and ask him to take care of the groceries that were going to go to the house when they would come back like It was that kind of old school grocer, right? And um, so very humble. They grew up as farmer's kids. They lived thrifty, resourceful, owned their own home, but never did much about it. And it used to be a great burden for Helen. She would just say over and over and over again, and I didn't understand the significance. So y'all hear her question. She would say, I just don't know how young people get ahead without land. Because in her world, land meant crops, meant income, right? And here she and her husband were living a a good but simple life, you know, in that lower middle class space. They ultimately did inherit land from either side of the family, and that provided their retirement. And they were wise with it as many people from Depression era. So we're still talking about that generation, right? Um, super thrifty, super resourceful, very smart. And when Helen and LeVan passed, we were the heirs of their, uh, not heirs, the executors of their estate. We handled the estate for the heirs. They, they had over a million dollars that, that they provided. Right. Wow. And all, all primarily because they were thrifty, but mostly because of real estate, their personal residence and the two farms. So when you when you think about when you think about generational wealth, like what if now I look back and I say, gosh, what if Helen LeVan knew about what we know in real estate now? They wouldn't have had to wait until their 80s. They could have done this in their 40s, 50s, 20s, you know, and totally changed the trajectory of their life. They could have learned to scale up, right? But the lesson was you do need other assets to get ahead. And then that led literally a year later um, to my mom's best friend, Carol. And so we've got two stories echoing here, right? Dolly's like creative. You can make income doing things that are interesting. And then Helen, wow, you need some kind of assets to get ahead. Now, Carol was a teacher. Carol literally was special ed teacher who in her 20 plus years in the school system 
um, was was literally the administrator of ultimately over the special ed program here in Waco, where I live now. And she was brilliant in in this. She borrowed money from her dad to buy her first rental property. And over the next 20 years, amassed over a hundred single family rentals. Wow. It was a brilliant move, right? And then as she got into retirement years, she would liquidate those assets like sell one or something. There's the extra padded income. She built a beautiful overlooking the lake custom home that is just anybody's dream. And she and my mom literally traveled the planet and lived the dream, the dream retirement. And that only happened because this teacher had the foresight to invest in real estate along the way. And, you know, she, she was very committed. She did not want, she didn't really, really like leverage. She could have done even better. So she would buy them, um, ultimately pay them off. Like, so she did it the really hard, hardest way possible, but that's the way that she felt comfortable with it, right? Because she couldn't take that much risk as a teacher. So it was just another example of how if you get started in something and you make deliberate positive steps along the way, you have something really significant in the end. At the end, that's right. So those were my three echoes before I my own mom. So it happened to be that Carol and my mom were best friends. Okay. And Carol didn't have children and my mom inherited Carol's estate. Oh, wow. Okay. They were that close. They were like sisters. They were sister friends. They weren't just. Yeah, exactly. We used, we all still think of her as aunt Carol because she was part of everything. Right. So when um, my mom at this moment, she her husband has passed. Her husband. Of, Kim, how long ago? Just so I have a time frame. How long yeah, ago? Yeah, with uh, 2017 is what we're talking okay. now. So not, oh, okay. not, not so about five ago. years ago. Yeah, yeah, not so long ago. Okay. Yeah. So my mom has lost her husband. She's lost her best friend. I'm still in IT, trying to help settle all of that because when you've lost your love of two loves of your life, it was just. She was powering through it, but she was also devastated and details were hard, right? So I'm then looking at mom's financials and I realize, holy smokes, real estate is the key. She and dad had bought the remnants of Carol's uh, properties years before, like 15 years before. And that really was her retirement income. and. I knew dad wasn't as well as we thought because the properties were kind of struggling, like it wasn't as profitable as it could have been. So I put attention toward that and learned a lot, like bigger pockets was my source of information. I love that. I love those guys. (laughs) You know, my goodness, the forums there were just so helpful. I went from knowing nothing to at least turning her business around in the first year and truing that income up for her. And as as I'm looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, here's the story again. Real estate has made a massive difference in the trajectory of someone's life. And now I was seeing the inner workings and details. So I tell the story to my husband. I literally told him, I said, think about Dolly and Helen and Carol and now mom. I'm like, we got to do real estate. <laughs> 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 like, 
going to jump in. We need to get in it. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. And it wasn't too long after that, that I did ultimately uh, leave my uh, IT career completely and shifted focus. And now where I'm, where's Kim? Well, I still have my original three, I call them my, my starter homes, uh, three doors, a duplex and a single family. But we moved on, my husband and I uh, agreed to, to jump into multifamily instead because we got the significance of scale. And by this point, I'm like, wow, we're way behind. We should have been doing this for 20 years. We got a jump start. So we went bigger, pulled a team together, Quattro Capital, and now we're managing $150 million in assets. And I think that's like over 1,600 units and growing. We close another one, another 300 unit here the end of this month. So it's an example of when you know, when there's this path that's this the sound of real estate, right? I, I could hear the beat, I caught the drum beat, and then I started singing the song. And then pretty quickly, magic began to happen. And this mushroom cloud of, of beautiful, amazing business started happening. And all because I was made aware of the possibility and chose the big three L's, right? Lean in, listen and learn right i love that that. and you know i always like to say you then discovered the power of time right because you free up your time when your money is growing for you in a different way than when you're working for it life is different yeah life is different and and it's not just time it's like i think there's like what the five freedoms and i'm probably going to mess this up because it's just off the top of my head but there's the time freedom the freedom of location, the freedom of relationships, the freedom of like how to give in and give back. And anyway, there's one more freedom that I'm missing, but um, I, I think location, but anyway, location. I think it's actually just the financial freedom. It starts with that. Yeah. Duh. That's it. <laughs> there's the fifth one. The obvious one. <laughs> yeah. And, but when, when you start living life with that kind of freedom, there's a, that's like, I feel like what I, in the world did I do for the last 30 years? It was so much harder and sure. I was making great quote unquote salary. Sure. That six figures was awesome, but our balance sheet pales into comparison before to what it is yes. now. Right. That's so true. And you know, it's funny for me, um, I say like, I never had a real job other than when I was in law school, when I worked for HUD housing, urban development, which is where I got my start in house flipping. I never really had a real job. Other than that, I always was my own entrepreneur. And I used to think there was actually something wrong with me. Like, oh, I can't like work for somebody else. And I kind of said it almost quietly. Um, before I realized, you know, that's okay. Like, that's just a different type of um, entrepreneur mindset um, that I have. And I'm just wired that way. Um, And I think like we started off saying, it's okay to be wired the other way. But when you are wired that way, and you're not really given permission to be an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. that's where, you know, you're an investor. You don't even have to be an entrepreneur. Like, if I'd have just been investing along the way, if I could have every five years, if I could have doubled the $50,000 investment, like 
Holy smokes, right? So true. So I want to just jump in a little, go backwards and jump into, like you just passed over it as though it was just so seamless and I know it wasn't. Like, how did you open Quattro Capital? Like you decide, like, this is where I need to go. This is where it's at. You and your husband, it sounds like our husband and wife team. But how did you actually put the nuts and bolts together to make that a realization? Awesome. Um, it's a fantastic story. And by the way, my my husband and I are not in the business together. He loves being a programmer, smartest guy I know. And so he's still with his W-2. But Quattro Capital, he was he bought into the idea. Um, a little bit of inspiration is good for all of us. I was um my nephew and I, Chad Sutton, uh, went to training out in San Diego to learn multifamily. And we were later um, that year at a conference. And at that conference, there was a person, Erin Hudson, who was receiving a big award for closing her properties. And wow, she was amazing. And, you know, I'm just like, at that point, I'm a wannabe. I'm like, wow, this is going to be cool one day. And she's, um, they asked her what she was going to do with, with her, the proceeds from her project. And she got really quiet and had this interesting look on her face. And I, I was curious. I was like, I wonder what she's about to say. Well, what she said was, my family and I care deeply about serving and giving, which is a big passion of ours as well. And so it started touching my heart. She said, we, we want to build five more homes, sorry, 10 more homes in Nicaragua. They're $5,000 a piece. And that's how we're spending it. If y'all want to join us, please do. Like, so you've got a room of a thousand people and it just went crickets because it turned from how are you spending your money to please join me and donate money, right? And so like way back in the back, there was a guy, Maurice Villagine, who stood up and said, hey, I'm in. And I, apparently that happened while I was standing up to say, I'm in. And um, later that night, Aaron said she was talking to God about it and was like, why did that come up? And why did you have me say that in front of all those people? Like, I don't know where everybody's at spiritually, but for her, it's a spiritual moment. And, and she said the words that came back into her mind were, those are the people you need to go into business with. And so we closed our first property together, Aaron, Maurice, Cam, and Chad. We, um, but we built our company. It's it's named Quattro, not because of the four people, because we have four values that we care about. The first is people, people living in the property, all the way through the people that are investing with us. Then there's the property itself, and it has to be a good quality asset. Then third is profits that are that are generated from it. And fourth pillar is philanthropy, which is always the giving back. And so those four pillars is what we built it on. Over time, we did that first project together. You know, you got a date before you get married, right? So we just did that project together. We loved working together. We did another project. We call it our COVID close, totally different podcast, really intense crucible time that we came out of on top. And during that season, we learned, holy smokes, we're better together. We have to always do business together. And ever since then, now you've heard the net of it. We're we're on the other side of 150 million and growing. So it's it's been a beautiful, beautiful ride only because, and this is the key to success, Atara, um, 
we built our business around values, not around money. Money will come. Yeah, that's the that's the, it's the hardest thing if you have a regular job to understand because your experience is opposite that. But it truly is the case that if you're doing the right thing in the right way with the right people for the right purpose, money will come. Yeah. You know, it's funny what you're reminding me of when we talk like this. You know, I I had a podcast before this real estate one called Changing the Course because I really love to have meaningful conversations. And when I switched my gear into real estate, I was always afraid. I, I was initially, I wasn't always, I was initially afraid that I wouldn't be able to have these conversations anymore. But I have to say, you know, in my spirit of just go with it, entrepreneurial, I was like, it will be okay. And almost every conversation I have lands this way where we discuss like meaningful things. And I think that is really the key. Um, to doing what you are doing, what I'm doing, what investors, women who want to break into the world of investment are doing is really understanding the meaning and the why behind the things that we do. And I think that that's so important. So I'm so happy that we spoke. Um, I'm going to ask you like a, a, a serious question. All of our questions have been serious, but more like a nuts and bolts kind of question. In today's market, right, everybody's scared, right? Interest rates are climbing daily, depending on when you're listening to this. It might have climbed yesterday, today, this week. Um, are you still investing as heavily? And if so, what do you say to, to women and others who are investing now? Is this a time to, you know, hold your money, still be a buyer? What do you say to that? That is a fantastic discussion. And we're having that conversation all the time within our team, right? But here's here's the number one most important thing to remember about real estate, whether you're passively or actively investing. It is a long-term investment. And the absolute most important skill you can develop is risk management. Risk management is the key to overcoming problems and challenges, and as well as being able to think through the, the probability of a success for a given market, neighborhood, property. And when I get out of the details and exhale and remind myself, this is a long-term play, not a short, this is not the stock market. This is the antithesis of the stock market. What is the play? And it becomes more clear. So what I see is two things, a couple of megatrends, right? When the Fed threw trillions of dollars into the economy in order to shut it down and let everybody eat, like, Thank goodness if you have to shut down the economy, we lived in a country that would provide for folks. So as a human being, I was grateful they did that. I knew in the moment I was like, holy smokes, it's going to be a roller coaster after. And guess what? We are on the roller coaster, right? But when you throw that much money in, the pendulum has to swing the other way. And we're in the middle of the swing. What's weird is that the pace of change is so much faster than the system can accommodate. So Interest rates going up every month create an additional problem because it takes about six weeks for the banking system, the lending system to absorb that change. And so they're not finished with the first one before the second before one. Before the next one's right behind it. Exactly. So 
what we're doing is you need to learn about rate cap insurance so that you can buy insurance to help mitigate your risk of rising interest rates. And then the second piece of that is underwrite super conservatively. Like, sure, we've slowed down. Like in 2021, we acquired, we did 17 multifamily properties. Uh, in 2022, we've done six. They're about twice to three times larger, but we've done far fewer transactions. So you just, the opportunities are still there. You just have to keep your long lens on. Get your telescope out as well as your microscope. You have to do both. Yeah. Well, there's no uh, quick rich fix that actually doesn't exist. <laughs> no. And if anybody says it does run, right? <laughs> right? It's not a thing. It's not a thing. I'm going to ask you one other question because I read something so lovely about you. Um, so I want you to say it for everyone. Um, I read in an interview with you that you, you were asked, what is your greatest accomplishment? And I wonder if you're going to have the same answer now. So let's see. Oh, no, I hope. I usually say it's it's my marriage. Um, yes. <laughs> I love hey, that. I love that. Thankfully, I'm consistent. Now, here's the deal. I got to marry the most amazing man. We're in college. I told you we were geeks, right? So I'm one of three women, one of three women on the whole <laughs> computer science lab, like, you know, don't fit in at all. And I already told you, like, I knew I wasn't going to be a programmer, but I had to do all this programming. There was this guy, he was so cool, so humble. He had no idea he was brilliant. Okay, real quick. He was the one person who finished his semester assignment the weekend we received it. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't even understand it yet. And he's done. You're like, um, I'll still be figuring that out six weeks from now. But <laughs> A, he's brilliant. But B, he is such a kind and gentle soul. That's everything. And, and so humble. So he, I, I truly never expected to get to marry him, but I fully expected to want to be a study buddy with him. And so <laughs> we, uh, I did learn a lot from him and ultimately that became a friendship and then led into a marriage. So, well, you know, Kim, I like to say sometimes God has bigger plans for you than you have for yourself. So you just wanted to be study buddies, but look what was really planned for you. <laughs> G-O-D. <laughs> I love that. I think that's amazing. I too am married to um, somebody super smart and super kind. And I think that like that, that's the key in life. Um, kindness before everything else. So I appreciate that. I really do. Um, thanks for coming on. You've been so entertaining and informative. I personally am a fan and I think everyone who listens and watches us will be as well. So thanks. Oh, thanks, Atara. And thank you for running this podcast. High five. My pleasure. <laughs> Bye for now.